Hello, and welcome to Still Buffering, a cross-generational guide to the culture that made us. I am Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McRoy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. I'm wearing joggers. <laughs> are, we, are we at ads already? What's going on? <laughs> I'm wearing leggings. I... <laughs> no, I just, uh, I assume you're are also sharing? wearing pants, Tay, as long uh, as we're... I mean, you know... I don't have to, and sometimes I don't when we record this podcast because you just see me from like the shoulders up. But I am That's wearing pants today. They're re- joggers are very popular among youths. I have read, and so youths. I purchased some <laughs> joggers. Or I'm sorry, are they joggers? What? Sorry, what? That's an anchorman joke. <laughs> oh, oh, so you want to yes. go from talking about how the youths like joggers to making an anchorman joke and think that everyone in our audience is going to get both of Do them? Do young people not like anchorman? I have seen anchorman. No, well, that in was <laughs> that was very diplomatic. <laughs> <laughs> A very long time ago. Uh huh. It's very funny. Yeah, I just he talked about jogging, and he says. Or- I think I believe it's pronounced yogging. Ah, so they're yoggers. They're yoggers. Okay. All right. I, yeah, I, I, was... It's. I'm glad you explained your joke from Anchorman to the audience. <laughs> it's always really funny when you when you get to explain it after. Yeah. That's, well, well, you know they can't all be winners. Do you did it, were were was you introducing your pants to us? Gonna go somewhere? Did you have further commentary? I just wanted just. To... I wanted to update you that I am part of the current trends and I'm wearing joggers. Mm -hmm. I think they're, I hate to break it to you, I think they're sweatpants. I I was going to say, I don't think that there's actually difference between joggers and sweatpants. I think it's just we rebranded sweatpants. Yeah. All the joggers have that little cuff at the bottom. Right. That's that's it. They're like slimmer fit than my uh, old sweatpants like that I would have worn when I was young. A youth. Yeah. I mean, like, they're like the ones then were sort of like they just they kind of like kind of marshmallowy all around you. Sure. You know? Yeah. <laughs> kind of give you marshmallow. Like the jeans were back then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wide leg sweatpants. <laughs> well, they were like, I mean, and they were cuffed at the bottom, but they made sure to poof out in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> um, and these don't as much. Like, they're a little. I can't. I, I thought the appeal of joggers was that they look nice enough that you could wear them mm-hmm. outside of, like, hanging around the house. I wouldn't wear these outside of hanging around the house. Oh. I have worn my joggers outside of the home before. Well, I mean, they're comfortable. They're very comfortable. Yes. But they, they feel like pajama pants. <laughs> I mean, if we have accepted that leggings slash yoga pants are no longer workout clothes. They are just like wear around clothes. This is true. Everywhere. And I feel they're like yeah. joggers are the same. That's true. And these feel more like pants than leggings yeah. or yoga pants, which like I always, even when I leave the house on them, I still feel like I'm not wearing pants <laughs> and no one knows. <laughs> I, I I support anything that leads to the further like degradation of what qualifies as pants because I, I don't want to, to live in a, Dress pants and jeans only world, so you know. Sure. Just yeah. this jo- jeggings and leggings and joggers and sure, whatever. None of its pants, so all of its pants. Exactly. Uh Rodinger's I- pants. Yes. <laughs> I I also learned that um young people are into Greece too recently. <sighs> yeah. You sent us or I saw that on uh 
on Twitter yeah. is where I saw that. Yeah. Um, I guess I'm not a young person anymore. <laughs> I don't <What>? know. <laughs> this is where Riley draws the line. <laughs> I guess I'm old now. That's fine. If that's what the younger generation is going to be about, I'll just say I'm old now. That's well, fine. Apparently they were interviewing Michelle Pfeiffer about it. Mm-hmm. And she was like incredulous. Like anybody like that anyone would like Grease too. Yeah, she <laughs> stands by. That's the worst thing she's ever done. <laughs> but the music's great. Apparently it's a TikTok sound. Cool writers like a I guess a thing. It's I I will tell you that like there I <laughs> I am glad that <laughs> young people are discovering it much like I did when I was a young person that like you discover your sexuality when you see Michelle Pfeiffer on top of that ladder. <laughs> In the midst of that song, as she's straddling that ladder, you go, oh, <laughs> I'm just saying. Well, <laughs> it's a moment. Do you it's think a, that- wait, it- <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm just trying to process that. I mean, I fully endorse Michelle Pfeiffer being awakening of many people's sexuality. Mm-hmm. But like her wrapped in tight, shiny cat suit vinyl is right there. And you're like, nah, like wearing a letterman's jacket and singing on a ladder. That's it for me. It's the. Co- yeah. Well, no. OK. She's wearing a pink <laughs> ladies jacket. OK. OK. Oh, it's a- OK. That it- makes a big difference. She is wearing like leather I assume pants, they're leather, pleather, vinyl, something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Something black, shiny, and tight. Like the entire movie. Um, and like in others, and like she's got that hair. And then there's a scene where she's eating the hamburger. <laughs> oh, oh, I don't. I, <laughs> With the ketchup. <laughs> you really need to watch this movie again. <laughs> I don't think I do. I think you do. <laughs> I think you just described it for me shot by shot in yeah. enough detail that I have now seen it again. I'm just trying to understand how you can eat a hamburger sexily. <laughs> uh, can I tell you how you find the answer? You watch Grease too. Uh, you watch Grease too. I don't know because I don't think I will find it attractive, but I will have the knowledge. Well, Sydney thinks this is hot. And I will be uncomfortable. That's true. I don't. <laughs> That's fair. They're eating hamburgers and talking about Hamlet. And it's just. <laughs> you keep saying more like it's going to make it make more sense to anyone. And the more you say the just I. I... <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, but anyway, Cool Rider is a great song. The youth, the youth is right again. Yeah, I think what's more likely, though, Sid, is that these these children found the Cool Rider song somewhere mm-hmm. on the internet or on another TikTok and just started using it without really ever knowing what it's from or ever having seen Grease Two. Yes, like many of the so they, McElroy sounds I hear on TikTok uh-huh. that in the comments, people are like, "Oh, what's this from? Who are those guys?" Like, the creators, <laughs> like, I don't know, I found it on TikTok. <laughs> Well, that's a shame. <laughs> so, like, you know, it's possible they have no idea what Grease 2 is. But then they don't know about Girl for All Seasons. How and does... They are better for them. Or Prowlin'. How are let's, so many let's... episodes of this podcast just turned into, and this is another episode about Grease 2. <laughs> we did a Grease 2 episode, did we not? No. When... 
Oh, okay. <laughs> oh no, Taylor. <laughs> I, I swear we did. Have, how many times have we talked about this show on this podcast? So. How have we been doing this new version of this have. show for a year and you have yet to make us watch mm-hmm. Grease 2? Because I have not watched it at all recently. Well, I don't know why you're just putting this out there for me to inflict upon you now. I just can't believe we made it this far. Uh-huh. Yeah, you're going to have to watch Grease 2. Not na- I'm not next. You're lucky. But <laughs> I'll quit the podcast after next week. <laughs> You've got two weeks. <laughs> it's just one of the most underappreciated films of all time. Oh, I'm, oh. I'm sure it is. When you have a, sometimes your brain is busy, so you just put a movie on in the back of it, you know? Grease 2 is always playing in my brain in the back. Sure. Okay. <laughs> Just I, always back there. I, I, I had to, I thought you meant like you is. put a movie on in the background like when you're doing something. No, you yeah. meant in your head, like just like Yeah, in my head Grease 2 is usually going during the spooky season, it's shock treatment. You know, the sequel to Rocky Horror Picture You show. are really all about inferior sequels yeah. to mm-hmm. good movies. Inferior? Inferior. (laughs) When I'm doctoring, it's usually just MASH episodes going on back there (laughs) to inspire me. Sure. I don't think you should have anything playing in your brain when you're doctoring, Sid. There's just, it's a lot of, like, there's a lot of neurons up there that need to be kept busy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You say, here you go, neuron. Here's the MASH. If Sydney ever focused her brain power all at once, she could like make heads explode. So she could keep it partially occupied elsewhere. I could could levitate. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very strange mutant power. Someday, someday, limitless, like, I will be able to harness all my neurons. If only... Where's the pill? <laughs> just, just, just keep those movie playing so you don't go dark phoenix on us. Uh, what are we supposed to talk about this week? Yes. I don't know. I, the <laughs> pants and and grease too is apparently the topic. No, we're talking about uh, about House Moving Castle, uh, a superior film to <laughs> yes, Grease Two. I would agree. I'll go out on that limb. <laughs> It was very good. I, I enjoyed it very much. Uh, yes, it's a, a 2004 uh, release by Studio Ghibli, it's a Japanese animation studio. It was uh, directed by Miyazaki himself, uh, and uh, it's one of my favorite, my favorite, probably my favorite Miyazaki movie, I'd say. You know, it's funny, we uh, we turned it on, and I didn't tell Charlie what we were about to watch, and as it came on, she started watching and I and she said, "What is this?" And I said, "Do you recognize it?" Because her and uh, Justin had been going through a bunch of Miyazaki movies. They were kind of mm-hmm. like working through all of them, but they hadn't made it to this one yet. And uh, she looked and she went, "Oh yeah, these look like the movies that are done by um oh what's the person's name who does the Miyazaki movies?" Ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. We we're like, well, actually, <laughs> well, he does, uh, but. He- Oh. They both enjoyed it, though. I'm glad. Say. I would say he doesn't direct all of them. Um, in fact, he wasn't originally supposed to direct *House Moving Castle*, and then, last, you know, kind of got changed up last minute, and he was the director for it. But I think he's recently said that it's one of his favorite movies that he has directed. So, mm-hmm. happy accident. Uh, I I liked it a lot. I had never. I have seen other Miyazaki movies. I had not seen this one. I wasn't familiar with it at all. I didn't mm-hmm. know anything about the story, the plot, the nothing. Yeah, me too. Um, which is why going into it with my children, <laughs> Charlie looked at me pretty quickly and said, 
does Sophie turn young again? <laughs> and I was like, uh, I don't know. I cannot promise you anything. <laughs> I would think, but I, I actually don't know. And she yeah. was like, oh, okay. And got very nervous. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, no. Okay. <laughs> this is going to be a rough one. <laughs> I need to leave the room for a little bit. Let me know when she's young again. Yeah. <laughs> I'm worried about her. Yeah, I told uh, Sydney, I hadn't realized, I as I was watching it, I kept thinking, like, this is like Ponyo. Like, Markle was reminding me of, of Ponyo, like the, the character design and the feel of the movie. Mm-hmm. And um, I had never seen any other Studio Ghibli films that I was aware of. And then I told Sydney, we looked it up right before we started, and it is a Miyazaki film. Mm. Um, and that was the only other experience I had. I remember really enjoying that movie when I was younger. Um because that came out when I was like aware enough to watch movies. But I really did enjoy this one. Um, I will say though, maybe it's just because I watched this when I was hungry. The food in this movie mm-hmm. looks yeah. so good every time they eat anything. Like even that scene where Sophie's just sitting there eating like the bread with the cheese on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I wanted that bread with cheese. Bread and cheese is very good. And though. all the eggs in the pan with the really big slices of bacon. The bacon. I, I feel like. That is, that's one of the things, like, I love the story of House Moving Castle, like, you know, I love the characters, but the aesthetics mm-hmm. are just, like, <laughs> so rich, and yes, like, the food, like, I, it, that's, that's true in, like, a lot of the, a lot of these movies, uh, mm-hmm. that's, like, the way, the, the attention they put into it, uh, is just so gorgeous and so mesmerizing. I also think it's, uh, it's so interesting that, like, you meet how and like pretty soon after you meet him and you realize like he's sort of magical and mysterious and like this beautiful sort of ethereal creature he's like instantly frying bacon and eggs (laughs) which uh, i really like that dichotomy of yeah uh, who is this person i had that moment when he came in to stop sophie from making breakfast so he could do it himself i was like what how Mm. i am confused now Because he does not look like a creature who subsists on, like, human food. Mm -mm. He looks like he eats magic. Yeah. And then he's like, I'll have some bacon and eggs. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I love love the character. I mean, Hal is one of my favorite characters because, you know, yes, he's a very suave, handsome, ethereal man, but... Then also, he's like a total drama queen. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That, uh, yes, that was actually Cooper's favorite part, um, Mm -hmm. is when he has the fit about his hair dye. (laughs) (laughs) And he gets so depressed that he, like, calls upon the dark spirits and then is encased in slime. Mm -hmm. Uh, Cooper loved that scene and just kept saying, can we go back to when the boy was in the slime? (laughs) I love that. I want to see the boy in the slime again. (laughs) That is, I, that is, I, I, uh, that's probably my favorite scene in the movie. <laughs> if I can't be beautiful, I don't want to live. And then it's just like, ah. Oh, it's so very good. He looked, he looked fine with the red hair. I don't know why yeah. it was so. Uh, there's a, I don't know. I, I, Taylor, can I ask you, I know that this movie is meaningful to you, which is why we're talking about it. Do you feel like you have personally taken some style cues from <laughs> Hal? Uh, I mean, I 
you know, maybe. <laughs> Are you calling me out? <laughs> I'm just saying when well, like when you see him and he's like he's he's got especially early with the really blonde hair mm-hmm. and he's like flying around with the white shirt and the cape <laughs> or like the coat that's sort of like cape like draped yeah. over him. It just kind of felt like you, Tay. Well, you know, I think it's it's probably because I thank you. That's a compliment. Uh, but I feel like his design is kind of similar to like like Labyrinth David Bowie, and yeah. like this is all my aesthetic. <laughs> so like it's you know I can see that it's very let's be real it's very gay it's very like yeah. androgynous mm-hmm. gay that's all that good stuff that's you know. Uh, and yes. I, I mean, I think I personally, I think a lot of people watch the movie and they like, kind of relate to Sophie, who's like, you know, hardworking and, you know, like doesn't realize how like magical she is. But I relate to Hal. I'm like, no, weird hermit drama queen. <laughs> I will fight a war. But if something goes wrong with my roots processing, I'm like, well, I'm just going to have to die now. <laughs> well, I'm going to have to summon the dark spirits. Yep, that is absolutely my my capabilities of dealing with things. I, I wondered about that. Yeah. I, as I was watching, I was like, oh, I see where Taylor connects with this. <laughs> This feels right. <laughs> but I do, I mean, you know, I, I, I guess, you know, like, not to, like, brief synopsis, it's, you know, there's Sophie, who's like the hard, hardworking, sort of too serious, old for her, her age, young lady who crosses paths with this eccentric wizard and love and romance and adventure ensue. Uh, but I just, I, I love this story because it's, it is a love story, but there's, it's, not that kind of cliche like which I feel like you think it's going to go in the direction of like oh they're not going to be able to stand each other because she's so serious and he's so you know wacky it's not they're like kind of gentle with each other from the very beginning Mm -hmm. and that's consistent Mm -hmm. through the whole movie so it's a really nice like soft love story despite the background of everything else that's going on yeah um, and then you have the addition of that of what's the little Markle, Markle, little boy. <laughs> yes, yes. Who uh, in the American in the American English dub is Josh Hutcherson, aka Peta in the Hunger Games. Yeah, yeah. Um, when he was very little, I thought and that I didn't was wild. That. I know. Yeah. Well, that's why I I had to look up the cast as soon as I started watching, and I heard Hal speak, and I was like, <laughs> Oh, who is that? Who? Oh, I know who. Th- who is that? And I immediately had to look. I was like, who am I? Who am I? And it was Christian Bale. <laughs> and I was like, okay, <laughs> I know that voice. I know that voice. Uh, and that's when I stumbled upon. I was like, well, where's PETA up in this? Mm-hmm. Oh, he was a kid. He was so little. He was so little. <laughs> yeah, actually. And I mean, I think that the, you know, the, 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 the dub and the, I mean, the sub is great, but the, the dub is very well done. But uh, I, mm-hmm. it is funny hearing Christian Bale do Hal's voice. Uh, yes. Because when he, because when Hal, uh, Hal is like fighting this seemingly endless war and he's losing his humanity as it, as he's taking part in it and he turns into like this kind of weird bird creature. Yeah. And when he does, he speaks in this growl and it's the Batman voice. It's Batman. <laughs> Batman. <laughs> yes. It is very. I noticed that. I was like, yeah. "Oh, okay. Now he's Batman." <laughs> yep. yep. This is before before the Dark Knight and all those movies. So this was this was early debut of the Batman voice. C- Cooper kept yelling at me when I would say, "Oh, he's a bird again." She'd go, "He's an owl." 
<laughs> I can only assume because his name, his is, name is Howell. Howell. But you can, he's an owl, mommy. And I was like, oh, okay. Sure. All right. He's super not. <laughs> Definitely but not. But okay. <laughs> it's not what an owl looks like. Has your child seen an owl? Apparently I also, not. I also thought I was like helping her understand, but like, no, she knew that was how, like, she was so, um, not, like, I know, mom. I yeah. know he turned into something. Like, I'm watching it. <laughs> yeah. Um, can I ask how they felt about Scarecrow Man? Not freaked out at all. About I was a little freaked out by it. Really? So yeah. I was wondering how your children... Turnip. Felt. Turnip head. Yeah. Turnip head, um, yeah. Because not like... Uh, I, just seeing him move on his own. <laughs> Did not... The only thing that freaked him out at all was um, when, like, the the uh what's her name's henchmen mm-hmm. that kind of are like those oh yeah um that big mass of like black gooey yeah. tarry looking stuff that kind of came through the door at one point towards the later part of the movie that sort of freaked him out a little bit that makes but sense. other than that like none of none of it upset them really the other wizards the creatures they had apparently turned into mm-hmm. like flying around doesn't bother them didn't phase him. Couldn't believe that because I was like, "Well, that's very scary." Yeah, no. interesting. I know. I thought that. I thought that was very odd. Yeah. I figured they would be freaked out. Yeah. Um. Uh. We need to talk more about why this movie is so meaningful to you, Tay. Other than you know, fashion cues <laughs> and hairstyles. That's that's literally it. What? Not that deep. Oh, okay. Well, then we'll end the episode right after <laughs> the group message. Uh. First of all today i want to tell you all about deodorant is that okay Uh, a lot of us like to wear deodorant and uh, because you like to feel fresh you like to smell nice and you you know you want to think about what you're putting on your body what you're putting on your skin what you're putting up under your arms there and native cares about it just as much as you do that's why their deodorants ingredients list include things that you've heard of like coconut oil and shea butter um, and that's a great addition to your routine this year if you're thinking of, of ways to feel good and smell nice and feel fresh under there. Uh, none of their products are tested on animals. Almost everything is vegan, and they have options. They have a line of sensitive deodorant for people with baking soda sensitivities. They've got uh, plastic-free deodorants if you're trying to cut down on, on your use of plastic. They have an unscented option if you prefer that. Um, I know I go that way with a lot of products these days because – I find this man. This makes I, as I get older, I'm more sensitive to scents. Uh-huh. <laughs> so for me, native offering an unscented option is actually a, a really nice thing to do. I know I am not the only consumer out there who's looking for that. Um, Taylor, if our listeners want to check out Native Deodorant, what should they do? Well, make the switch today uh, by going to nativedeo.com/buffering or use promo code buffering at checkout and get twenty percent off your first order. That's nativedeo.com/buffering or use code or uh, promo code buffering at checkout for get twenty percent off your order. So um, now that I've gone back to living with other people in, right. in my dorm at college, I have remembered that when I go to listen to music. Or I, perhaps I thought this was going to be about deodorant again. <laughs> no, this is not about deodorant. I wear again. deodorant now. <laughs> no, um, I mean yes, but no. Um, I uh, have remembered I can't just listen to all the things at a normal volume out loud because sometimes other people are taking a test or falling asleep 
Um, and listening to music or a podcast is very important to me when I am trying to study or trying to relax uh, and also trying to give my eyes a break from screens so I can listen without having to look at something. Um, and that is why I have been using Raycon wireless earbuds. Whether you're like me and you're trying to unplug at the end of the day, um, maybe turn on some Taylor Swift as I have been doing before I get in bed or listening to our podcast, um, you know, when you're, you're working out, your commute, anything like that. Um, there's no dangling wires or stems to get in your way, which I prefer so I can move freely about my space and not have to worry about that moment that I have experienced far too many times of walking and being pulled backwards because you're still plugged into your computer um, with a wire. <laughs> uh, and also they come in a range of stylish colors, but always with a comfortable in-ear fit for a more discreet look. They're built with water and sweat resistant construction and Bluetooth that pairs quickly and seamlessly and with enough battery life for six hours. So any, any amount of time you need it for any sort of, uh, you know, sweat resistant, maybe you got to work out, um, walking home, maybe it's raining, water resistant, you got it all. And the best part is that Raycon makes great sound accessible to everyone with wireless earbuds starting at half the price of other premium audio brands. So we all can get up in that that audio game. I what I, yeah. I don't know. Audio game. Yeah, audio game. Um, <laughs> so Taylor, if our listeners want to check out Raycon earbuds, what should they do? Well, Raycon's offering 15% off all their products for our listeners. And here's what you got to do to get it. Go to buyraycon.com slash buffering. That's it. You'll get 15% off your entire Raycon order, so feel free to grab a pair and a spare. That's 15% off at buyraycon.com slash buffering. Once again, buyraycon.com slash buffering. Get your 15% off. One thing I did want to notice, uh, or I did want to, uh, I, I noticed and I wanted to uh, mention about it, is I thought it was interesting that Billy Crystal was in the um, English dub. Mm-hmm. Because I think... Uh, as calcifer as the calcifer. fire yeah. uh i think it, it i have noticed this in some of these other movies um the american voice actors that they get are a lot of big names mm-hmm. um and i think it just underscores sometimes uh i think we forget how huge these movies are because that unfortunately happens a lot to animated films where like they're just not people don't recognize mm-hmm. what an impact they have and how big they are and these were big movies they have big names in them mm-hmm. you know yeah well christian bale like actively seeked out being in this film he said he would play any role he just wanted to be in it and you know wow, got wow. The lead. but yeah yeah and i think i mean i i love <laughs> i love billy crystal's calcifer <laughs> like this yes. stuff is great but i just adore the voice he does the acting it's such such a good character yeah he, he he really is and that was and he's so instantly recognizable oh, yeah. that's what we turned it on and like very early into it justin was like am am i hearing billy crystal <laughs> <laughs> i think so and yeah. i recognized emily mortimer right away i was like mm-hmm. oh i know that voice <laughs> that that character design just the very round big eyes mm-hmm. on the fire from the very beginning i was like oh i like this yeah. i enjoy yeah. this yeah but i also felt that way about all of the characters like I feel like like the little kids, like Markle was designed in a way, it's like, oh, mm-hmm. so small, so cute. And Sophie, when she's younger and when she's older, both just like, they're all very endearing character sketches that like are all very different, distinct, but also you just like, you, you get happy looking the, at all of them. Mm-hmm. Except the dog's feet. 
<laughs> okay. Oh yeah, it's got this weird little like chicken you know, feet or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I guess. Okay. That was the only thing. Yeah. Every time I would look at the dog's feet, I would be like, uh. <laughs> that was That's the fair. only. Because okay. even I thought the uh, the witch of the wastes mm-hmm. after she like is, I don't know, aged. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Is what happens to her. I, like I thought she was pretty adorable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. But yeah, the, and the dog was cute. Other than the feet, every time I looked at the feet, I was like, oh, there, "What are you, no, what no, are you up to there?" What I kept thinking the dog was going to do something. I was like, "Those feet make me nervous." <laughs> there is more because I will say this: so, House Moving Castle is based on a book of the same name by uh, Diana Wynne Jones, uh, who's originally a British author. Uh, and there's more, in, a lot more in the book, and I think that there are several books. But um, there's a there's a bigger explanation for the dog. Like it's like okay. cobbled together from other people or something like that like i think there's a reason the dog's kind of funky but by the time it made it to the movie it's like i don't know it's a dog with chicken feet whatever <laughs> that i know i kept waiting for that yeah. i was like okay so we're just we're just gonna roll with it that's just the way this dog yep. is all right <laughs> all right then um i also i have to say the um the reveal of turnip head as prince turnip head mm-hmm. at the end really struck me as funny <laughs> um <laughs> just because like so he's a pr- he's been a prince this whole time which i had accidentally ruined for myself when i looked up voice actors i saw that turnip head was listed as prince turnip head and i was like hmm mm. no no <laughs> oh no i think that i think that scarecrow is a prince and uh <laughs> and and he's like he's basically like sophie Turns him back into a prince because true love's kiss. True yeah. love's kiss works every time. Right. Thank you, descendants. And so that happens, and he's like, "Oh, but she loves that other guy." Well, it's okay. I'm gonna go home. I'm gonna stop this stop war. Stop the war. <laughs> and then I'm gonna come back because you don't know. She might get bored of him. <laughs> and like that's that. Yeah. Off I go, Prince Turniphead. <laughs> yeah. And then he like bounces away on a pole. <laughs> <laughs> it does seem kind of like like the framing of the movie is that maybe this war is started because of this missing prince, but it's definitely in the background. It's just like, okay, oh, that's that's resolved. Sure. Yeah. Well, cuz then uh what's her face? What's the 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 bad woman, the queen, um oh, the the sorceress. Uh yes. Mm-hmm. What she's at the end there, she's just like, "Well, I guess we'll end the war." Well, I guess that's enough. <laughs> Here, call the Minister of Defense. <laughs> but here's here's the interesting thing about the the presence of the war in this movie. So this was, uh, I don't think it's not really like in the books. This was the backdrop that uh, Miyazaki chose for this film because uh, it came out during the when the uh, Iraq War was starting, and he was mm-hmm. very mm. outspoken against it. Um, and you know, he just felt like it was just you know more more endless war where there's not any point to it it's it's just you know war for the sake of war uh so that was that was included that kind of the idea that the war is pointless and that you can't really mm-hmm. tell if there's a good side or a bad side it's just war was very important to Miyazaki because that's his he's very much a pacifist he's very anti-war and he even said like this movie is it's like not going to do well in America because this is kind of a condemnation of American politics in, in the most like light, fanciful, beautiful way. Yeah. 
I did think that was interesting that he said that I this movie is going to make Americans uncomfortable and he was like intentionally making a movie that wouldn't do very well in America because this is what he wanted to to make it about. But I mean, then I, it did. I can't imagine a lot of Americans would have. I mean, I picked up on it. Like, I thought it was it was pretty unsubtle when Howell is going back off to the war and uh, Calcifer warns him, like, you can't if you stay too long you'll be changed forever mm-hmm. you'll turn into something to, else yeah. yeah and like all those other wizards who will never be able to turn back now that they've kind of committed to being part mm-hmm. of the these atrocities and all that this is going on they'll never be able to turn back into themselves i mean that's a very clear allegory right for like you know someone who is very anti-war mm-hmm. and if you take part in these things you can you know you'll you'll lose yourself sure um I, I felt like that was a pretty obvious, but I, it didn't. It didn't come across to me as like anti-military or anything that you would assume would offend American sensibilities. It was just like, hey, wars are bad, yeah. which I think we can all get on board with. Yeah. Like, yes, we'd prefer there not be wars. <laughs> yeah. Although I will say I did appreciate how, like, uh, even at the very, very beginning, the soldiers and like the whole like parade going on and everything is made to look very like kind of ridiculous. Yeah, and the soldiers are as well. Um, and it's over the top, it's exaggerated, and they're, they kind of aren't good people when mm-hmm. they encounter Sophie um, the first time, right at the beginning, and then they like ridiculously march away or whatever, and yeah. they're bright, uh, tacky costumes that they're wearing. I did appreciate that. Um, I didn't make the connection that it was like commentary on something happening in America, but I feel like you would have been more likely to if you would have been watching this when it came out in 2004 and that yeah. was happening. Um, but I did appreciate that because I could feel that right from the beginning. It was like, look how ridiculous these people are. Mm-hmm. But it is it is true, though, that it's it's still, you know, it's still such a well-designed movie that all of the warships and stuff are so cool to look at. <laughs> but it's like war bad, but mm-hmm. big ships cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think... Um, there's a lot about that like that message can be kind of hidden amongst there's so much about transformation mm-hmm. in there um, that you can read into like there's Sophie who very obviously like um, underappreciates undervalues and sees like herself as um, not not having anything to contribute really or say or, or to be forgotten or whatever. And like, she is transformed into someone whose time on earth is close to over, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and as if like, well, now you've become someone who no longer is taking part in the action. Right. Um, and she like fights back, which I really loved with the animation where like, it, it struck me all of a sudden, like, Oh, she's a little younger. Like, it, I didn't, it didn't occur to me right away as I was watching it. Like, she didn't turn from herself to the old woman back to herself. Mm-hmm. Like, it was a backwards growth. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was really cool to watch yeah. as she began to realize that she still had more to do and to say and to contribute and that, you know, she did have a voice and, and that kind of thing. Like, mm-hmm. you could see that happen. Um, but that whole transformation was happening. And there is with Hal, too, the very obvious, like, he traded his heart for a shooting star. <laughs> yeah, as you do. Magic powers. <laughs> right. I did, uh, I read about the themes of the, the movie after I watched it, um, kind of seeing what people had like taken from it or how it was supposed to be 
um, interpreted those kinds of things. And I did like that at the end when it said Sophie goes back, but her hair is still white. Mm-hmm. Um, that Miyazaki wanted to do that because he wanted to show that she was still like carrying the maturity with her and like everything she had learned and experienced, even mm-hmm. though she was younger again, she hadn't like lost all of that that she had gotten in the in between. And I, I liked that. That was mm-hmm. very that was very good. Uh, yeah, I mean that's that's one thing I do I like Sophie's storyline, it it does so many things right. And like for one, I think her acceptance of her new way of life is just like, you know, not, yeah. not really any yeah. freak out, just like, well, this fits me better. But um but just like the she gets like these two like a prince and then this magical magician wizard to fall in love with her, but she's this old lady. You know, she accomplishes so much, she like pulls together this whole family. And this is all done when she's presenting as this old woman. And I think that, you know, it's true, like by the end, it's not like she's realized that, you know, oh, she needs to change and be more lighthearted. It's that she's realized how much strength who she is has mm-hmm. and how how mm-hmm. powerful she is and who she is and that's how she kind of finds herself but is also transformed and you know kind of embraces who she's been all along mm-hmm. it's funny because with a storyline like this you have the potential for it to come across as very like ageist in a sense mm-hmm. like the the bad thing that happened to her is that now she's an older person mm-hmm. um, but instead I think it's very like triumphant about what she can accomplish and do and that the fact that she's an older person doesn't matter and they they like further that storyline with the witch of the wastes who is like sort of reviled until she is the age that she's supposed to be Mm -hmm. and then she's like embraced and loved and celebrated and respected like they don't just toss her off Mm -hmm. And and Hal keeps asking that, like, why did you bring her here? <laughs> like, yeah, what? So, like, Sophie, what is this? Like, she was bad. She mm-hmm. made you. She cast a spell on you. Like, why? Why did you bring her? And I mean, there's just this sort of like understanding. Like, well, we we respect her and we mm-hmm. appreciate her and we will value her now. Right. And, um, I think that's a really nice message. I like that mess. I want to see that message more in this country. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, like, yeah. yeah. Uh, Oh, Go no, ahead. I was going to say, well, that's, and I think that the, the kind of growing family, you know, because that's the thing, there's, yes, it's a, there's a romantic story, but I think the bigger heart of the story is more about family and more about that, you mm-hmm. know, having a place to belong, having a home, which kind of goes to like the, the moving, roaming castle versus having like a place that is yours and people that you belong to, which I think is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a, a bit more of a, an adult like storyline than just oh find somebody to fall in love with Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i mean when i was watching and maybe i just like it went entirely over my head i was a little bit surprised as it like you realized that it was like a romantic connection Mm. happening there i was not expecting any sort of romantic storyline like throughout the first like the beginnings of the movie i was seeing it more so as like just two people on this adventure and she might go back to being young and he will realize something about himself and they will both grow and that will be it i didn't see it as a romantic thing Mm -hmm. and like it wasn't it didn't feel like forced once it got there like it made sense but it wasn't a story that needed it like it was very much on its own a story about growth and and yeah finding family and finding a home without the the romantics Mm -hmm. the love no that's very true because I think that um, how getting his heart back at the end, it's mm-hmm. very, it's a very literal 
thing. Mm-hmm. He literally gets his heart back. But then, like, the the allegory there is he got his heart back because he found love, not just in Sophie, but, like, his family. Mm-hmm. Like, he and, he, and now he can no longer have a magic castle that wanders around. Well, then it flies. <laughs> like, it, <laughs> Yeah. Yes. <laughs> now now he has to set up shop and like he talks about how his chest feels so heavy. And I don't know, that's a very nice like, yes, this is what happens. And that is so much more true too when you have like a lot of people that all of a sudden you're responsible for and care about where it's an overwhelming good mm-hmm. but overwhelming feeling. Um it's very much like having children, I would say. <laughs> really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. <laughs> well, and I it's Oh, go. Good, but overwhelming. Well, and I like how they show, like, the steps of him getting to there. Because, you know, there's sort of the midpoint where he has found... There's this family that has grown around him, and he wants to keep them safe, but he also wants to be away from them. It's like, I'm going to put you here, and you're going to be <laughs> fine, and I'm going to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Sophie's like, no. <laughs> That's how this works. Yeah. I got to be a bird again. I got to yeah. be a bird. I got to fight planes. <laughs> That's also why you like how Hal can turn into a bird. Oh. Yes. <laughs> eccentric hermit with good style and his bird <laughs> okay can you tur- can you turn into a bird is this okay, okay. this is autobiographical yes <laughs> yes uh you don't hear it but when jack talks it's with the voice of billy crystal because he's, ah. he's got my heart ah um. okay <laughs> no but uh but i don't i mean it's just it's such a like the the way that the the story develops and the characters change, I just think it's so it's it's not cliche. It's very original, and I think it's mm-hmm. it it almost lampshades so many things that I think a lot of like anime does, you know, where there's just like the two love interests and oh they hate each other and they fight, and then you know like the harem animes where everybody falls in love with the main girl because she's beautiful, you know, and it's like all yeah. of that is sort of. <laughs> It's there, but it's very much turned to kind of reflect on that. Right. Well, I very much enjoyed it. I did too. I'm glad that you suggested it because I really liked watching it. And Charlie and Cooper both did. Cooper immediately wanted to watch it again so (laughs) she could see the slime part again. Sure. (laughs) It's it's the best scene. (laughs) It was a very pleasant break for me, for my brain. Like Mm -hmm. something that didn't, you know, didn't make me sad. Didn't Mm -hmm. require like a lot of deep thought like it made you think about it but you didn't have to you know you could just enjoy it yeah and that was that was nice just look at the beautifully rendered bacon <laughs> the beautiful bacon i don't even like bacon and eggs that much i'm not even a breakfast person but when i saw that pan full of that giant bacon and all those eggs i yeah it looks so good mm-hmm. it really did mm. although i would have taken the bread and cheese i think oh the bread and cheese yeah all of it. Yeah. Sorry, Tay. The, this part yeah. it was like a vegan nightmare for you. Well, I mean, but that's the thing. I, I literally can't eat anything that they cook in this movie, but I <laughs> but it all looks great. I will fully admit yeah. to that. Like, I would eat that. I'll eat fantasy bacon. <laughs> yeah. I'll eat moving castle bacon. Uh, moving oh, castle bacon. Yeah. Well, thank you, Tay. Yeah, thank you, Tay. Well, th- thank you. Thank you for watching this with me. All right, Riley. Mm-hmm. What's next? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, no. I'm very excited for next week because I was trying to think of a movie that was uh, very important to me when I was much younger. You know, I've I've talked about ones more recently, um, but thinking back to my childhood, maybe my first real obsession with the movie, you could say, 
um, was, of course, High School Musical. Oh, my goodness. It has music. We all love musicals. Uh-huh. Now it is a stage show and a TV series. I feel like it's weird that you give me such a hard time for Grease, too. And we're about what? to watch High School Musical. Well, you don't have to watch the second ones and the third one. <laughs> Just the first one. Okay. Just the first one. I have I have zero familiarity with this. Really? I have Charlie, no. Charlie will like it. Um, because there is a main character that is a blonde girl that Sharpay. has everything pink. Yes. I've heard that name. Yes. That is the only, that's, I was going to say, I think there's some basketball and there's a girl named Sharpay. Um, <laughs> I have very strong feelings about this movie now that I've watched it again as an adult. Oh, wow. Okay. So, yes. All right. Well, there we go. I'm very excited. It's on <laughs> Disney Plus. For Miyazaki to High School Musical. <laughs> All right. It makes sense. <laughs> Well, thank you both. This is this has been very fun. Um, I look forward to uh, our next film. <laughs> and thank you, listeners. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to tweet at us, you can tweet at us at StillBuff. You can email us at StillBuffering at MaximumFun.org. MaximumFun.org is a website with podcasts, lots of them. You should listen to them. They're great. Uh, and thank you to the novellas for our theme song, Baby Change Your Mind. This has been your cross-generational guide to the culture that made us. I am Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McRoy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. I am still buffering. And I am too. Get your head in the game, guys. Sorry, he's got to get your head in the game. Grease 2 is finishing. Okay. Is that, is that what you have on when you're podcasting? Is that what's in the back back of the brain? Okay. Maybe. <laughs> oh, man. Hey there, beautiful people. Did you hear that good, good news? Something about the baby Jesus? Mm, he's coming back. Or do you mean the fact that <laughs> Apple Podcasts is named Fanti, one of the best shows of 2020? I mean, we already knew that we was hot stuff, but a little external validation never hurts, okay? Hosted by me, writer and journalist Jared Hill. And me, the ebony enchantress myself, <laughs> Travel Anderson. Fanti is your home for complex conversations about the gray areas in our lives, the people, places, and things. We're huge fans of, but got some anti-feelings toward. You name it, we fan-tie you. Nobody's off limits. Check us out every Thursday on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your Slayworthy audio. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.